do that this morning. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 16. Acts, the book of Acts chapter 16. We have been uh, focusing really the entire month on the subject of peace. Subject of peace, kingdom peace. Said last week, you know, we we put that term kingdom on there because it's easily as soon as I start naming subjects or topics, we can start thinking of our own ideas and our own opinions and our own uh, knowledge, if you will, of a certain subject or a certain topic. But when we come in here, uh, we have to do what Paul called renew our minds. We've got to renew our minds. Our minds are designed to be renewed. You have to understand that when God created us in Genesis chapter 1, our minds were in line with the kingdom principles. Why? Because there was no contact with anything else. And so Adam and Eve were only concerned with doing one thing, make this earth look like heaven. Okay? And we all know that that was paradise. We all know that that was perfect. Uh, But there were commands, there were laws, there were uh, principles that they had to abide by. And we know that they fell away. They chose to eat of the very tree that God said, do not eat of. And in that instant, not only was the world changed, not only were their lives changed, but their minds were changed. Uh, they immediately began to think different. And so Paul says, if you want to come into the kingdom, and when you come into the kingdom, the first thing you have to do is renew your mind. Jesus had a word for it. He called it repentance. And see, we, we think that repentance is coming down to an altar and asking Jesus to forgive us of our sins, and I repented. Most people think of repentance as an event, but Paul didn't think of repentance as an event. Jesus didn't think of repentance as an event. He thought of it as a lifestyle. So every time I hear the word of God, I have to repent. Repent. Why? Because I need to change my thinking. And if I can change the way I think, I can in turn change the way that I live. So when we're talking about peace, we have to change the way we think about peace. And pretty much the focal point of this entire series has been identifying that peace is not limited, is not relegated, is not determined by my outside circumstances. It's not external. Peace is rather internal. And we've learned that peace comes from the inside. And I can be at peace on the inside even in the midst of an unpeaceful Situation. Everything else can be coming apart around me. I can be in the midst of turmoil, trial, and tribulation and still be at peace on the inside. First thing that we saw was peace was determined by our level of faith. If I can believe it, I can be in peace. There's no way you can be in faith and not be at peace. So the first thing I got to do is if I want to get in peace, if I want to be at peace about a situation, I need to develop a faith stance Regarding this, if I want to be at, in, at peace about my health, then I need to get in the word and be in faith on my healing. If I want to be at peace about my finances, I need to get in faith on the word. Why? Because peace is a result of aligning my thoughts with God's word. If I can think like this Bible tells me to think, I'll be at peace no matter what's going on in my life. No matter what's going on. And so we've got to... See this connection between faith and peace. Because when Jesus was on that boat with uh, his disciples and there's a storm coming surrounding them, who was the one at peace? Jesus. Why? Because he was in faith 
that when I said, let us go to the other side, we're getting to the other side. That's the only way. That's the only option possible. See, we, we, we start to lose our peace when we give ourselves options. When it's an option that we might go bankrupt. When it's an option that I may not recover from this. When it's an option that my kids are not getting any better. When it's an option that there's no work out there. I'm never going to find a job. When that becomes an option, you begin to lose your peace. Peace remains steadfast when our faith is steadfast in God's word, no matter what we see. So I'm not moved and I'm not living according by what I see. In fact, Paul said that uh, we don't live by what we see. We live by faith. You realize that faith can see things. Faith sees things that nobody else sees. Faith sees. Faith doesn't ignore the present. It just knows that there's something else that trumps the present. There's something else that can change the present situation. And so we have been discovering this kingdom piece, and, and I hope that we've started to see some things. And today, I want to put some action to this subject. Um, I believe that God's word is meant to be acted upon. I don't think it's meant to just be read and meant to just be heard. I believe that whatever you hear and whatever you read requires a response. If you were here Wednesday, you would have heard God's word always requires a response. And so I believe that what we've been hearing and discovering about peace, we need to live it out. We need to live it out. Uh, the title of my message today is Praise Brings Peace. Praise brings peace. I want to look at Acts chapter 16. You might already be there. Acts chapter 16. We're going to start with verse 20. I'm going to give you a little bit of background because I, I, I didn't want to read the whole chapter to you for the sake of time. But basically what we have here is Paul and one of his side partners, one of his guys that travel with him named Silas, go into a town. Go into a town that's not living the kingdom. And uh, Paul made it a point in his life that wherever I go, I change things. Paul was a world changer. Uh, Paul didn't let people uh, determine if he could be there or not. In fact, there was one time they even stoned him to death. Paul died. He wakes up, comes back to life. He's outside the city, and he goes right back into the city to do kingdom work. And so he's in this town, and um, while they're there ministering, there's a woman who's a fortune teller who works for a company, a business that makes money off of telling people's fortunes. They pay her to do this. And so there's this woman following them around and, uh, you know, is mocking them and is even beginning to uh, rebut some of their statements that, uh, you know, Paul and Silas are ministering on. Paul had this problem a lot of times where he went, he'd go and minister, and somebody would come right behind him and tell them the opposite. That's, not, that's nothing new, you know. I can tell you something this morning and most likely sometime today or maybe even throughout the week, you'll hear something that will try to tell you the opposite of what I'm telling you today. It's your choice whether you believe the word or believe what you hear, period. So Paul is ministering and he has this woman following him around. Well, eventually he gets sick and tired of it and he casts the demon out because there was a spirit behind it. He casts the demon out of her and restores her, makes her whole. Well, that's a problem. That's a problem for somebody because this woman was profitable to somebody, had some value monetarily. And so uh, they're now going to lose any money that she was bringing in. And so they get upset and they go to the magistrates. And here we are in verse 20. 
Acts chapter 16 and verse 20. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. First thing I want you to identify is that Paul and Silas were doing everything right. See, sometimes when we get into unpeaceful situations, when anxiety and chaos start showing up around us, the first thing we think is, what did I do wrong? (laughs) Where did I miss it? God, I, I must have messed up somewhere. But notice here that they are smack dab in the will of God, and now chaos begins to ensue. Chaos is showing up. Chaos begins to enter their lives. See, we, we, we live in this bubble that we think if we get it all right and we follow God's will to the T, that nothing's going to harm us. Nothing is going to mess with us. The, the devil is going to leave us alone because we're just too big and too bad. But you realize that coming into the kingdom actually brings trials. Jesus promised this in John chapter 16, verse 33. Uh, For you will endure many trials and tribulations, but, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer, he says. Be of good cheer. So Paul and Silas are in a moment. I want you to understand that our lives are lived by moments. Our lives are lived by small decisions and choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. They're not made up by these big, huge moments that identify us and, and, and create who we are. It's daily moments where we choose right or choose wrong and if you choose wrong i want you to let you know i want to let you know today that how quickly you bounce back determines how quickly you overcome god is a god of forgiveness god is not a god that's you know waiting to smash you with his almighty thumb he's not trying to put you under his feet in fact he's called you to reign with him in heavenly places. He wants you to sit right next to him. He has saved that seat for you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says that we are seated together, together, together in heavenly places. If you are together with someone, that means you are right there. My wife and I are not together right now because she is next door taking care of some children and I'm up here preaching on the stage. But you are to be together, seated with him in heavenly places places Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 so we are there we are royalty we are to reign but when we do miss it God quickly wants you to bounce back and get it right quickly quickly so Paul and Silas are right in the middle of God's will this sounds like a nasty situation this does not sound peaceful this does not sound like triumph does not sound like victory. This does not sound like ruling and reigning. Paul is probably wondering right now, that stuff that I wrote about being seated at the right hand, I I might have missed something here. Maybe we're not there. (laughs) He wrote that book. 
So let's keep going. Verse 25. But at midnight. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. This life that we live is not about us. If we could ever get that picture, I think that would change some of the decisions we make. If we could ever get outside of ourselves and get outside of uh, thinking that this is all about me and all about me, you know, one-on-one with God, and, not, and, and if, if we can start thinking about the impact we can make around us, I believe we can see some things change. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeking the prison uh, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. For we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he... And all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he said food before, food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Praise brings peace. I want to tell you, I want to tell you what peace does here. I want to tell you what peace does for us. We, we said this in the very first message that peace is aligning your thoughts with God's word. And peace, by doing that, puts you in a position, puts you in a position to what? Guard yourself. It's been our main verse for the last several weeks uh, uh, that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. When we get out of peace, we let our guard down. And putting up your guard is a position. Putting up your guard is an opportunity. Putting up your guard is an opportunity to take on what's about to come. See, peace doesn't keep things from happening in our lives. We've seen this. But it does set me up to be in preparation so when it does come, I can be in the proper stance to fight back. Be in the proper stance to ride out the storm. Be in the proper stance to keep going no matter what. Though I may go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Peace does this. Peace brings perspective. Peace gives us an opportunity to do this. See God or see things the way God sees them. When I can get in peace in the midst of turmoil, I can see this situation not for what I see naturally, but for what God sees spiritually. Look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. 
Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. You shall hold your peace. The Lord fights for us. He's not even asking us to fight. He says, I will fight for you if you can remain in peace. This is what anxiety does. Anxiety is picking up the weapons and trying to take care of it yourself. We get anxious when we try to find our way to fix the problem. We get anxious when we try to find a solution on our own rather than going to God's word and finding the solution that he has for us. The Lord will fight for you. The New Living Translation says it this way. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. The world is feeding off of anxious people. You realize that? The world is feeding on people that live in anxiety and fear and worry. I used to work in a pharmacy. I can't tell you how many prescription drugs there are for people that are always concerned about life. And there's medical terminology and blah, blah, blah. But bottom line is it comes down to a mindset. Do I choose to live like God's word is true? We said this in the very first message, that worry is temporary atheism. Worry is living like God is not alive. Worry is living like God cannot take care of it. Worry is living like that, that, that God has no solutions and doesn't care and can't fix the problem. So what do we do? We step in and try to take care of it ourselves. Well, you don't see Paul and Silas doing that here. You don't see Paul and Silas concerned with trying to take care of this situation. They're not trying to figure out, what do we, what do, we do wrong? Where, where do we, I mean, I, I did. They're not getting angry at God. You know what we do. We start getting angry with God. You know, first thing we ask is, you know, where did I miss it? What did I do? Then we start asking God, God, where are you at? Where were you at in the midst of that one, huh? I'm out here doing what you called me to do. Living the kingdom life. Preaching the kingdom to people. Getting people delivered, casting out demons. And this is, this is what you have to show for? This is what you got? But no, peace brings perspective. Paul and Silas got out of their situation, got out of that dungeon, and they began to see this thing on a bigger scale. They began to see people standing around them. They saw other prisoners. They saw a jailer. They began to think bigger than that. These people have families. These people around me, they have families. If I can respond right in this situation, I can make an impact on somebody's life. And an opportunity, and an opportunity where most of us will think inwardly and think about ourselves, and how am I going to get out of this? I mean, think about it. It's midnight, and you're thinking, okay, next day, what are they going to do? How long am I going to be here? 
What are we going to do to get out? How do, what are we going to say that's going to get us out of this situation? These people are mad. They don't care about us. We could die here. But they got outside of all those thoughts and they began to think, the situation that I am, what kind of impact can I make on somebody else? They began to get God's perspective. They began to get God's perspective. Also, notice what they began to do. They began to praise God. They were praying, praying, and singing hymns to God. See, when we complain, we talk about the problem. When we praise, we talk about the answer. It's up to you. Do you want to talk about the problem or do you want to talk about the answer? A lot of people come to church because this is a peaceful place. And it is. I mean, when you sing the songs that we sung today, God is able. God is on my side. Great are you, Lord. I'll stand. Arms high. Heart surrendered. When you're singing these kind of songs, what are you talking about? The problem? Are we singing about the problem? No. I mean, you're not thinking. You're not thinking about the bills. You're not thinking about the house payment. You're not thinking about the car payment. You're not thinking about the job that you're looking for. You're not thinking about this and about that. You are focusing on the king. You're focusing on the answer. But praise and worship isn't to be just limited to Sunday mornings. And when there's a band in the room, and when you have a worship leader, and when you have TVs that throw the words up on the screen. It's not limited to that. It's not limited to when the lights are low and the nice bright lights are shining on the wall. No, you can praise in the shower. You can praise in the doctor's office. Praise in the car. Can praise in the grocery store. Can praise when you check the mail and you get something you weren't expecting. We can praise God. Notice they are in the midst. See, sometimes we save praise for the good times. Praise does its best work in bad times. Praise operates at its highest level in the low times. Praise is what turns the light on when everything's dark. If we can just open our mouth and praise God in the midst of turmoil, trials, tribulations, everything's falling apart. If we can lift up God and praise Him we will see something change. And praise brings peace. I'll tell you right now, it's going to be very hard for you to not be at peace when you're in the middle of praising God. With all the technology that we have, you, you can listen to music anywhere you want now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to carry your Walkman around anymore. And carry those... Those wire headphones with the with the fluffy, soft ear covers. 
that never worked. They never tightened right. Those things were garbage. You don't have to rewind the cassette tape. You don't. You could just pull your phone out. You could be in your car. And above all that, you have a voice. You have a mouth that can make up songs, that can sing to God. You can sing songs that are in line with His Word. And see, here's the thing. is Paul and Silas, they're not singing from their heart. They're singing from God's heart. When you praise God, you need to praise from where He's at, not from where you're at. If I praise from where I'm at, I see problems, I see trouble, I see circumstances and situations. But if I can get to where God is and sing from who he is, there's nothing that can stop me. God is on my side. Great are you, Lord. They're in the middle of praising and singing to God. And they're praying. They're praying. Now, let me, let me show you what their prayer looks like because... Sometimes, you know, we, we think, you know, we can hear them praying. And if they were praying, they might sound like us sometimes and just saying, Oh, God, why is this happening to me? Oh, God, how am I going to get out of here? Oh, God, I can't believe you did this to me. Oh, God, uh, my back is killing me right now. Please help me miraculously close up these. That's not what they're praying about. I'll tell you right now, that's not what they're praying about. They are praying, God, how will you use this situation to change somebody else? And they're not talking about their problem. They're talking to God. And sometimes we do that. We talk to God about our problems. We just tell him how bad it is as if he has no clue. God, you don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't even you don't even understand. Let me let me tell you what happened today. You got a minute? That's what we do. Like God needs to be informed. And I believe this because prayer is not this doesn't say they had a monologue with God. Prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is a two way conversation. I believe just as much as they were praying to God, they were hearing from God. I believe they took an opportunity to hear what God had to say. Otherwise, it wouldn't be prayer. Because God speaks. The Bible tells us that we can hear God and he hears us when we pray. I remember one time, you know, my wife and I, we were going through a very troubling situation. Probably, one, probably the worst situation I've ever been in my entire life, period. And we had a pastor come and visit us, one of her older pastors from when she was young and she had heard you know what we were going through we were in the hospital at the time and uh you know he came up and you know thank god for pastors that will just reach out and do that first of all i'm by no means complaining about this guy i'm by no means downing this guy great pastor loves people that's what pastors do this is such a small circle of what pastors Dude, this is like 10% of a pastor's job. And he came and visited us and 
was a great man, but he said this, you know, he, he said, you know, and, and when you're in those times where, you know, you don't know if God's hearing, God's listening, you know, just trust that he's on the other side of the wall. But that's not what my Bible tells me. My Bible tells me he hears me when I pray. And I just very politely said, you know, we have no concern there. The Bible gives me confidence. Gives me confidence that he hears me when I pray. And there is no wall. God's not on the other side of the wall. He's right there face to face with me. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. But we have to pray. John Wesley said, it seems as if God can do nothing in the earth lest man pray. I promise you right now, Acts 16 would look a lot different if it said, and Paul and Silas at midnight were complaining and whining. It looked very different. It would probably stop right there and say, and the next day they took them out and killed them. The outcome would be very different than what we read today. The change came when they changed their mouth. If I can praise God in the midst of turmoil, then I can see what I'm praising about. And I can see what I'm praying about. I have the ability to make an impact. And finally, we see that by putting themselves in this position to praise God, sing to God, pray to God, they get God's perspective and they change lives around them. Jail cells are opened up. See, it wasn't about what Paul and Silas did. It was ultimately about what God did. Paul and Silas didn't shake the ground. They didn't go around and open up each jail cell one by one. They weren't the deliverer. God was the deliverer. And God delivered them just like he delivered everybody else in there. And delivered the jailer, the one who we would think in this whole picture is the one that's free, was really the one that was locked up. The jailer, the one on the outside, the one with the key, who could roam around and go, come and go as he pleases, he was so locked up that if one of these guys gets away, I die. So I had better take my life. Paul and Silas didn't take off running. Paul and Silas didn't, you know, get all the guys together and said, all right, let's go attack this guy and kill him. Paul and Silas tell the man, stop. We are all here. In fact, Paul and Silas went around and said, hey, you're not going anywhere. We're all here. The man asks a question. What must I do? To be saved. Now, what in the world prompts this question? It doesn't say anywhere in this passage that Paul is preaching. Paul's attention is directed to praising and singing and praying to God. Nowhere does it say that he was behind that jail cell preaching, you know, and hoping that people heard him. Nowhere does it say that, you know, after everybody got loose, he said, all right, everybody sit down. Silas is going to sing a couple songs and I'm going to get into the word. Nowhere do we see a church service going on. But he was preaching. 
with his life. They say communication, 30% is verbal and 70% is nonverbal. His lifestyle communicated something to the jailer and prompted him so strongly that he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? How do I get to be a part of that? Because what you have is greater than what I have. You've been beaten. You've been jailed. You're in a dungeon. You're in the lowest part of the dungeon. Your feet are in socks. You can't even move. All freedom and all liberty has been taken away from you. Yet you are more free than me. Paul is preaching with his life. Even in the lowest, somebody's watching you. Even when you've hit rock bottom somebody's watching you. And his lifestyle, his ability to get in peace, his ability to praise God and see God come through for him prompts people around him to get saved and come into the kingdom. Not only did the jailer come into the kingdom, but now he goes and he ministers to all of his family and his whole household has come into the kingdom. When's the last time you saw an entire family come into the kingdom at the same time? Mom, dad, children, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, the whole household comes into the kingdom. It's saved. Not because Paul preached this great message, but because he operated with God's perspective instead of his own perspective. Because he got in peace. And the peace guarded his heart and guarded his mind, which allowed him to think on the right things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Whatever things are true and noble and pure and just and right and good, think on these things because what I think on determines what I do. And so now he's in a jail cell praising God. Can't even lift his hands. Isn't playing any music. Isn't in a church service. Things are falling apart. Has no idea what the result's going to be, but he's still praising God. And when he lifts up his voice in praise and is praying to God, now we're seeing things change not only in his life, but those around you. Because praise is designed to impact others. And when you get in peace, your peace in your life will change someone else's life. If we ever think about that, that if I can get at peace in the midst of this situation, I can help somebody else through it. If I can get in peace when we're all losing our jobs, could I help somebody else who's losing their job? If I can get in peace about the financial situation of my house, could it affect my wife and affect my children? Could it be an opportunity to be a testimony to someone else when we can get outside of ourselves, get God's perspective, and now he starts pointing out, okay, now you're here to to change this guy's life, and you're going to change this person, and this lady, she needs what you have. Peace is contagious. Just like anxiety is contagious, peace is contagious. Look, the world, they're all hanging around anxious people. 
They already hang around anxious people. They already hang around people that don't know the answer. They're already spending time with people that are just as worried as they are, just as fearful as they are. And they have, cons- they have conversations every day by the water cooler and in the break room and in the parking lot about how bad things are and how they're only going to get worse and there's no way out. They're already having those conversations. We don't need to feed those conversations. We need to turn those conversations. We're the ones that talk about how good it is. We're the ones that talk about how good God is. We're the ones that live in peace. And I'm telling you right now, when you are a peaceful person in the midst of anxious people, you stand out. You will be noticed. You will be identified. At first, they'll probably think you're weird. At first, they'll probably think that you don't really understand what's going on. You're crazy. You're an idiot. But eventually, anxious people will go to peaceful people because they have gotten tired of talking to people that don't have an answer. Eventually, they'll realize, well, if I want to get out of this, I think I need to go to this guy. See, they make fun of you right now. When they talk about you, Right now. But when cancer hits their body, when they lose their job, when their wife divorces them and leaves them, guess who they're going to come to? Hey, man, this that terrible report this weekend. This, uh, you know, you're always talking about that God stuff. Is it, well, you think you can pray for me? You know, you're thinking about it. Next time you're praying, yeah, let's, let's pray right now. I just stop right there. Yeah, you serious about praying? Let's pray. Right here, we're in the break room. Yep. We're in the middle of the aisle in the grocery store. Yep. Let's pray. Right now. There's too many times that I've said, yeah, I'll pray for you, and I don't. I've done it. So I just stop right there. You can't forget can't forget then you stop right there and then they're confident and they know that you prayed and prayer is powerful prayer changes things the bible tells me that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much makes much power available dynamic in its working dynamite power in prayer prayer changes things it's not just a ritual we do i mean every religion prays How are we any different? Everybody prays. There are other religions that are way better at praying than we are. They got a a specific prayer they pray. They got a specific time they pray. They even face a certain direction when they pray. They got prayers for all kinds of different things. But we're the only ones that are praying to someone who's on the other end listening and can give us an answer. So why aren't we praying more? So right there, we have an opportunity to make an impact on somebody else's life. See, you know, most people, when they get into turmoil and tribulation and, 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 and things are going bad in their life, the only thing they think about is themselves. And how am I going to get out of this? How about how are you going to change somebody else's life as a result of remaining in peace? 
peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to go through some of these verses here that just, I think, will help us, strengthen us, and encourage us as we endeavor to live a life of peace. In Psalms chapter 46, Psalms chapter 46 and verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge. Even when you're in the middle of it, you can run to him and be cared for and be covered. And strength. Why would we need strength if there was nothing to be strong for? God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. Not a very present help that keeps you out of trouble. You can be in the midst of it and it never touches you. Isaiah chapter 41 Verse 10, fear not. Well, the opposite of peace is fear. If I'm not at peace, I'm fearful about something. Fear breeds anxiety. The more that I get fearful, the more anxious I get. But faith breeds peace. The more in faith I can get, the more at peace I'll be. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. We all have had people in our lives, and if you haven't, you will at some point, that leave you when things get bad. But God promises to stay with you no matter what. In fact, the, the worse it gets, the closer he is. We've got to trust in him. Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 26. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you peace. I want to let you know this morning as we conclude this series that he wants to give you peace today. He wants to give you peace in the midst. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what is coming up ahead. Look, you may be doing great. You may be doing not so great. We could have them all in this room this morning. But I want to tell you this, that God is the God of peace at all times. God is the God of peace at all times. And if we can put ourselves in a position to be at peace, if we can put ourselves in a position to praise Him no matter what, to have faith in His Word no matter what, What could we see God do in our lives? And what could we see God do in the life of someone around us? Right now, you all, you could think of family members. You could think of co-workers. You could think of friends that are not at peace right now. That are not at peace right now. And many of them are looking to you. Because they know that you go to church. They know that you love God. They know that you live for God. They're looking at us. They're watching. 
They're not just listening to our words. They're watching our lifestyles. Do we say we're at peace but get just as anxious and worried and concerned as everybody else? Do we say that we're at peace when we're around them but say something different when we're not? Do we say that we're at peace but when trials come, we get just as concerned? No, we have a God of peace that loves us, cares for us. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He goes before us. He's with me and He will not forsake me. The more that you can remind yourself of God's Word, the more you can align yourself with God's Word. Father, I thank You this morning for every person in this room. I thank You that peace floods our lives, floods our minds, floods our hearts. Father, right now, no matter what any individual is going through, I thank you that your peace is strong enough. Your peace is great enough to get us through. To get us through. Father, we operate in the authority of your word. We apply your word. We live by your word. Because, Father, I thank you that your word will bring that peace. You said that the mind that thinks on, that is focused on, that is set on the flesh is death. But the mind that is focused on things of the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Father, I thank you that your word brings us life and brings us peace. There are many people that are alive but not living. They're alive breathing, thinking, moving, but there's no life in them. Father, I thank you that as we apply these words, as we apply these principles, that we can see life and peace show up in our lives. Father, it will be a testimony to others, to those around us. They will see the Word of God in action through our lives. It's not just something we talk about. It's something we live. It's not just something we say. It's something we do. We apply it to our lives. Live it out daily. Father, forgive us for those times when we didn't trust you. Forgive us for those times when we tried to do it on our own. And Father, we set ourselves today, dedicate and commit ourselves this morning to live according to your word. Abide in your word. Let faith be the standard of our lives and peace will be a result in Jesus name amen amen